0: Welcome back. Welcome back to season one, episode 14 of What Shay Rowe Thinks About It. Stuff on my mind that forms into words and then actually comes out of my mouth. I am Shay Rowe. This week's topics will include another massacre, yet nothing to be done. Talk a little bit about training. I've been trying to do it for a while, but we're going to take a little different perspective on it, uh, especially the training of the Uvalde Police force, I believe, was the school police force. And one of my favorite things to talk about, election time. It's election time here in Georgia. We just had our primaries here in Georgia. Again, here we are again. Yes, there have been more massacres since my last recording. Matter of fact, since I wrote this episode a few days ago there has been at least two or three more that have occurred just this week which means the stupid side has had more stupid stuff to say then there are Republicans who are mad because an 11 year old child who survived the Uvalde massacre smeared blood from a classmate on herself and pretended that she was dead to avoid being shot by the assailant they mad Because she testified at a hearing about the attack, asking that our sorry do nothing Congress actually do something this time. How sick of a people are you to be mad because she spoke the truth? I don't even want to talk about this. But you know what? However, I'm going to say say a little something. You blame this on mental health. Okay. Well, where's the bill and the money for mental health? You blame this on video games. Okay. Well, where's the bill and the money to give kids something to do besides video games like job training, after school programs? You blame this on family values and upbringing. Okay. Where's the bill and the money for family enrichment? See, just a lot of talk and absolutely no action. You want to keep blaming but you don't want to do any action to do it because you want to praise the gun. (laughs) You won't blame guns but you'll say praise the gun and think putting more guns in more hands will stop this you know speaking of of another situation that happened my home state mississippi town about 35 minutes away from philadelphia mississippi meridian mississippi uh this guy what i believe he had been fired from the police department there either recently or within the last few months or something which is fiance expectant baby mama argument with her he ended up killing her the cop comes he tells him nothing's wrong. The cop kind of investigates and he shoots the cop, goes on the run. The cop had a gun. The cop got shot and killed. So just putting a gun in someone's hand does not stop this because that doesn't guarantee. And my condolences to the, to those families involved. I'm not trying to make light of this situation, make anything. It's a horrible situation. Uh, They caught the guy. Mm, Did nothing to the guy that did all of this, but You know, someone says, well, if someone else had had a gun, this one, you know, it's a very sad situation. We blame everything but the gun. And then the things we blame on, we do nothing to try to fix those or help those situations. So all you're doing is talk and no action. Mm -hmm. But yet again, here we are again. I have been trying to start off the past three weeks, I believe, about training. But due to all of the stuff occurring across this country over the past few weeks, I have not been able to get to that subject. But you know what? I will address training. Whomever is over the training for the police department, and you, Uvalde, I believe, was the school police department. I'm not sure if it was the city police or school police department. But whoever is over there training, you have to be the absolute worst trainer in the world. Yes, I'm, I'm, hey, it's out there. It is what it is, and I'm going to address it. So now we've learned that one of the reasons the police officers who were present while more kids and teachers were, teachers were being killed they were waiting for their protective gear and equipment to arrive. Each week it changes something different. Whose great ideal was it not to have the equipment already in the vehicle with the officers? You ever seen officers when they're getting ready for a task or something, they open the trunk or the back of the vehicle and they get their gear and everything and put it on. They don't have to wait to get it there. So somebody there is totally missing the point. Then why did it take so long for the equipment to get to the location or understanding an hour and 12, 72 minutes or whatever before they went in? (laughs) This was a small town. It was not like the equipment had to go from Buckhead to college park. Yeah. And Atlanta says college park, college park. Yes. Which even here in Atlanta with the traffic, if it did, the police could have probably got it to each of those points in a matter of minutes. It's a lot of places here in Atlanta you can get to pretty quickly I and mean, especially if you got these things called sirens and lights on your vehicle. One thing I've noticed here in Atlanta, when those lights and those sirens happen, it doesn't matter how crowded the interstate is. Those cars move. And, and I mean, they move, they open up like the red sea and they move and that, and that fire department or police or whatever, they get through there because one thing they will do in here in Atlanta, in this area, if you don't move, you will be facing the ticket soon. So they move. So I'm I'm using that as an example that if if that was the case, they were waiting on the equipment to get there. And if had it been like a city town here in Atlanta service and you had to wait for the equipment to get there, well, Lord, they still would have got there in a matter of minutes. So it it just amazed me. It the police department there failed. Somewhere in training, somewhere in action or inaction, they failed these people. And I know we're still on this subject, but we never want to assign blame where blame is really needed and you can't just say "Well, someone's exempt because they're the police and they do i believe in police i believe they do most police officers do a wonderful job there are some out there that do not and when those that do not you need to hold them accountable while i was writing this i was there was a news story on fox 5 news here in atlanta Don't know why I was watching Fox. It's not my normal channel to watch, but one thing they were talking about: news stations are going to ask their local police departments, "Hey, if you had this situation, would you sit there and wait?" It, and basically, what the Atlanta Police Department—I don't live in the city of Atlanta, but I live in the metropolitan area of Atlanta in this area. Basically, the Atlanta Police Department (APD) they're they're trained not to wait when facing an active shooter. Even if it's just one officer, that officer is going to go in and try to take them out. And I understand some officers did try to go and they got shot and then they're waiting for the protective gear, which, again, does not make sense. You were waiting for the protective gear. You were waiting for the janitor keys. You were waiting, waiting, waiting. And you were allowing these people to be killed while you were waiting. Something just does not sound right there. Some training did not occur as it should have or someone did not have the proper training. And you can't look at the situation and say, well, this is a small town. You know, things may not happen here. Guess what? It happened there. The least place you expect something like this to happen. It happens. I remember years ago, and I'm going to bring up some bad feelings here. It's in Lockheed Martin in Meridian, Mississippi. This happened at a plant. One of the shootings that just happened here recently was at a plant. It's either at school, work mall, somewhere. The least place you think it would happen is where it happens. And again, I was listening to Fox News and the next story that came on Fox News while I was writing this was about how local the police department out here is learning how to use less lethal tactics in situations. I think this is good because every situation does not require deadly force. Let me say that again. Every situation does not require deadly force. Sometimes you just need to stop an unarmed suspect. And I say unarmed there when I hear someone say they feared for their life and this person was unarmed. And you know I can name several other situations. I think back when I used to um when I was before I was feeding the hungry, I used to how you say give a ride or whatever. I'm trying to use my good you know, ride share service. I was a driver. This is part of Atlanta, uh, Buckhead, I believe is what it's called. It's where all the college kids gather on weekends for parties. And there's all kind of traffic. It's changed since I first started doing this, but it's changed. But you drive through there and you see, it's a very pedestrian area and they kind of have changed a little bit because they're building a lot of buildings, replacing a lot of the clubs. and there's several clubs altogether. I remember passing by, Cause po- there's a very heavy police presence there as well, because you have a lot of drinking college kids basically walking from club to club, and sometimes it's an older group, whatever. But it's mostly college kids, and anytime anything college is happening here in the Atlanta area, that's where the college kids go because the college kids here, that's where they go. And I remember I passed by, I guess this guy, and I, he's a white guy. I guess this white guy had gotten unruly or something like this. This Atlanta police officer, APD, black officer, he had the guy on the ground. He had him there. He was pin. He had him handcuffed. He was face down, handcuffed. The guy was squirming, kind of trying to get away. But he had his, you know, it's, there's a te- there's a correct way and a right way to do something. He, I noticed how he had his knee kind of like in the middle of his back. He wasn't applying pressure. He just holding there, and he's basically waiting on his partner to get there, and He just looking around, calm. You know he's accessing the situation everybody else they see him you know these are black kids white kids every color kid you can imagine every kid is in college this is where they go to but this officer he had control of that situation and i just remember because this was right after um this was prior to george floyd i know that but it was right after another incident where police had killed an unarmed black person somewhere I don't remember exactly what or when then but I just noticed how that officer first he was calm now the the guy yeah he was kind of trying but he had him under control he had him he had the handcuffs on him. his knee like you I said in the middle of the back he was just, just calmly looking around and I knew his other support were on the way because again there's heavy police presence that are on foot as well as uh police that are on in cars but because of traffic, it's kind of hard to get to one place to another in your vehicle unless, you know, they have the sirens on. And, of course, like I said before, when sirens go on here in Atlanta, cars, I don't know how they do it. They <laughs> they split. What was that movie? Bruce Almighty. And he opened up the the highway. All the cars went away. That's how it does here in Atlanta. When those sirens and those lights occur, it does not matter how crowded the interstate the is. They split. So, again, this officer, he had everything under control. And I just was so ad- admiring of this officer because somewhere in there, he took note of his training. <laughs> and I mean, like other kids were walking around, they made sure to avoid him. They did not try to in- interfere in true. because again, if you see some of the kids, yeah, they get totally drunk out there walking around, they're doing something. <laughs> that could be another subject. But again, this cop had total control. I admired him. And I, I remember that. And ever since I saw that I said, you know, one day I'm gonna have to talk about that. Well, today's the day. Sometimes every situation does not require deadly force. But I'm thinking in my mind, had that kid been a black kid and the officer been a white officer, could that have turned out differently? <sighs> you know, and you know, you hear this, I feared for my life. I don't want anything to happen to any police officer. I feel very sad about what happened to the police officer Meridian, any police officer anywhere. They're out there to protect and to serve, but you can't just exempt someone just because they're there to protect their things happen. Cops do things bad too. And when they do should be held accountable when they do something good. Hey, we need to make sure we we're taking care of them. And I've stated here in previous episode, I it was my first or second episode where I expressed that our police officers should receive more training than they are receiving. I believe for such a position, it requires uh, that requires so much of our officers should require them to have uh, more training, like in a community college setting, classroom training, field training. A lot of things that deal with race relation, de-escalation tactics, how to actually protect and serve that, you know, is not just a shoot and arrest. And that's it seems like that's what's happening with some, not all some. You know, and I think that training should run for about two years. You know, to be a police officer, you go for training for a few weeks, a few months. You get some in the field training. Mostly you're a rookie for a while. Then you, you know, you need to have a lot more training because it's such a serious job. First question that's going to pop up is what about pay? Hey, if we send them through all this training, should we pay them more? Yes, we should. (laughs) One, there'd be a lot less court cases against departments and cities where people's rights were violated. If we did a lot more training, but we should be paying police officers more anyway. I know some of them in some cities, I forget what the starting pay here in Atlanta was, but there's a, Big thing right now between the city of Atlanta and police officers where they're asking for a 12% raise. The mayor's office here is offering them 2%. Most officers like I can go to surrounding cities and counties and make more than I make in Atlanta. That, That don't make sense to me. Atlanta, the actual city of Atlanta is the most populous area around here. You have so much more concentrated there in Atlanta. Officers are required to do so much more in the city of Atlanta. Now, we'll give this to them. When the Braves Stadium was actually in Atlanta, APD was good at getting that traffic and moving. When there's a Falcons game in Atlanta, I've had to pick up at the Falcons Stadium. You basically can get in and out of that stadium in less than 15 minutes away, APD directed traffic. That's me. Now, people that have been here in Atlanta longer than me probably say, oh, no, oh, no. I was right in the deep of it, where I'm sitting and I'm going like, and I'm telling the passengers, I'm like, we're going to be sitting here for a while. And they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah but they're used to it. And I mean, within like 10 or 15 minutes, I was on the other side of Atlanta. I mean, I was out of the traffic, everything because they moved and they knew what they were doing. So shout out to APD on it. They know how to move some traffic here in Atlanta, but they have to look at everything that happens here and everything. They have to know that again, goes back to the training and them knowing what to do. But that's just, you know, my thought on it with police officers. When you see them, not acting or in action like we saw in New Valley, something's happening there. And the guy that was supposedly in charge says he didn't know he was in charge. Then it's like, well, he didn't have his radio. He didn't know they were calling. You mean to tell me if he didn't have his radio, none of the other officers around him had a radio to say, Hey chief, here's what we're getting on the radio. We're getting these reports. None of them had a radio. If you answer those questions, it just makes you think like, okay, If he wasn't in charge and you pretty much know when a scene happens, there's ranks within police who arrives first. And it's always like, who's first, who's is this, you look to the person with the most stripes. They're the person that's in charge until a person with higher stripes come or they get command from some commander or something, because there's a protocol when it comes to police things. And again, this goes back to what, training what's happening someone's gonna have a problem with me saying all this but hey the truth is just the truth you sat there for an hour plus <laughs> before you went in and did this and we're hearing just different reports it was different agencies that had to come, of had to get there some teachers called their husband who were law enforcement they got there and they got a gun they went and that's who actually took them out someone had time enough to get there get a gun go in before you and you and then y'all were arresting parents because they were mad because you weren't doing anything I won't be surprised to see some heads are going to have to be turned. Some people are going to be fired, some positions or whatever. Something's going to happen. And you see other school districts. And I see here in local communities around here, parents are going to school boards. What are you doing to protect my kids? Then they got all these elaborate systems and go before you can get into the school. I know my school was in son. If you went, if you went to sign him out, if I went there to sign him out, first of all, you had to press a button them to give you access. Most of the time they know most of the parents. You go to an area, it's kind of open area right now, but I remember his other school, you had to go through a certain, you go in through one set of doors, they buzz you in, I guess they look at you or whatever, then they buzz you in for the next door to get in. There's just these different chambers and I'm thinking back to the program Y'all remember Get Smart when he goes down the elevator and he goes, and each, each section he goes, a section closes behind him, behind him. It was something like that. <laughs> Those were some of the things set up. So there's a lot of things that I could talk about how to make schools more secure. Last week I talked about I'm okay with the fact of them having armed uh, police or security in schools, they have school resource officers. I've dealt with them, (laughs) had to deal with that child that had stole my my son's phone. (laughs) But I have no problem with that. But disarming teachers, the secretary of education, trying to remember his name. He was on the view this week. They asked him about arming teachers. He who should be like the smartest person, basically, because he's the secretary of education, doctor. His name will come to me soon. And his response was. Arming teachers, that's about the stupidest thing I ever heard. I agree. And I'm just putting a scenario out there since we want to arm teachers. And full disclosure, my mother was a teacher. Most of were best friends were teachers. I have relatives now who are teachers. I know a lot of people that are teachers. At one point in my life, I thought about being a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to go there. If I was a teacher, would I want to be armed in school while I'm teaching students? Here's my scenario. And I won't because they think that putting a gun in somebody's hands is what's going to solve this. We need to solve this before it even gets to the classroom. This person, whoever tries to take out a school, take out a company, workplace, whatever, they need to be stopped before they even get there, because that's what's going to save lives. Because if once they're in the school, you're not going to pull your gun until after they start shooting. Which means someone has been shot, killed already by the time you pull your gun. And two, this person already has their gun out. So the time it takes you to pull your gun, aim it and fire it, he's probably shot and killed you. Then we're going to arm teachers. Let's look at reality. Teachers are people. Teachers deal with our children. The reason we send some of our children to school is because we don't want to deal with them ourselves. Remember this pandemic where your children were home with you? <laughs> you know why a lot of these parents were there saying, We need to open these schools back up? Because you realize it wasn't the teacher, it was your child. But here, let's put this scenario your wonderful child, who is the eye of your eye, wonderful child, but when they get to school, they are a totally different. Child, person, <laughs> they've been egging, agging this teacher. This teacher deals with twenty to thirty kids per class, and it's just gotten to them. And I mean, it's just totally gotten to them. You know, let's let and let's be serious. Let's be honest. All kids are not angels when they get to school. Let's just be honest. So this teacher, he's fed up with these kids. He's armed you know, to help protect your kids in the event of a situation. But now this teacher goes off the deep end and he's like, I'm tired of y'all. And he pulls the gun and he starts shooting. No one thought about that situation, did they? And you're probably saying, your mind is sick and demented. Is it really? We've seen where we've had situations where we've seen some teachers body slam some kids. Now, mind you, the kids were not being the best disciplinary kids, as I just stated, all kids are not angels in school. Some of these kids have a worse mouth than I've ever seen or heard. They have some attitudes. Let's let's be honest. There are some kids out there that got attitudes. Well, you can't touch me. You can't this. Or how you see all these cases all the time. And you see situations where teachers who are people too have feelings and emotions. And by the way are being underpaid. Have feelings and emotions and reactions. And when this happens, this kid or this group of kids, or you know, you got gangs in school. Hey, they are not a. They are. They are not afraid of somebody. <laughs> Look, these kids aren't afraid. At least they think they're not. And they're, quote unquote, not doing what the teacher said do. And the teacher gets tired of it. And what he realizes? Hey, I got this gun on my side. I'm gonna take them all out. Pop! We legalize this by arming the teacher. Having a gun in everyone's hand, that's what's going to stop these mass killings. However, are we creating a bigger problem there? And again, it comes back to the disciplinary thing. When you have some kids, they're not acting right. do We want that teacher to take them out with a gun, shoot them all up. Those these are real questions that need to be faced. These people that keep saying, let's put guns in the hands of teachers. I want to answer from you when this happens. What is your answer? And it's not an if you say, oh, well, you're speaking it up. I haven't spoke up any of these other shootings that happen and they happen. So therefore, my little voice is not what's speaking it up. There are other issues out there that's occurring. But I want all you people that say, let's put guns in everybody's hand and in teachers hand. I want to answer from you. What happens when that teacher takes out kids? And mind you, I love teachers. My mother was a teacher. Believe me, my, I, I can't imagine my mother having to have a gun with her to teach kids. There are some places that should be gun free. School is one of them. And again, I had to change my mind to our current situation and say, like, yes, we should have armed School police officers who are specially trained in this in schools to protect them. And the big thing that's happening now, a lot of black people saying, oh, I'm scared for that for police to be there uh, because they would probably pick on the black kids. You know, most police officers I know right now, (laughs) guess what? They're black. And depending upon what the makeup of the school is. Most of the time, it's either the sheriff's office, or the local police department. Most of them match the probably match the community, or whatever. There are what you will be surprised on. There are black police officers. Remember that police officer I mentioned earlier that had the situation of control. He was a black man. <laughs> there are black police officers. Okay, so if that's your concern, let's get more black police officers here in the schools to protect. If that's your situation. We'll go back to the family thing. You know, we as parents and family, we need to take more control of our kids. They need to know that if they are the one acting up, hey, something bad is going to happen to you. These kids are have they're not afraid and a lot of people say, Oh, I raised my kids right. And you probably did. These influences out there, it takes over and it makes these kids go a lot of do a lot of things. And let me get this straight. A lot of people when you say when you say something, people take it at you mean all. No, oh, there are a lot of kids out there that are doing a wonderful job. They want to get an education. They're trying to do better. They're trying to learn better. But there are small elements of kids. They're not scared of these teachers, and they always do whatever, and they're probably trying to sneak a gun there themselves, which, again, I don't mind the metal detectors because if that's what's going to try to keep us safe nowadays, hey, we have to do what we have to do. This is a different time and age. This is not your father's or your mother's school. This is not the school I went to. This is different. And we're trying to put guns in everybody's hands. Yeah, some of those hands that you put guns in are not the law abiding citizens because you keep claiming, well, this is for law abiding citizens. No, (laughs) they're not going to stop and say, hey, I'm not a law abiding citizen. So therefore, I should not take advantage of this law where I can go get a gun easily. Let's wake up, people. Let's stop being stupid. Okay, let's let's look at reality. When we open up floodgates like this, everything is going to come through. That floodgate. And when you say let's put more guns in people's hands, you're going to put more guns in people's hands that they should not be. in. I'm not talking about taking about anyone's gun rights or taking your gun from you, although I don't see why you have an AR-15. That's your thing. I don't see it. This is my thing. This is what Sharo thinks about it. This is my thing. But again, let's not be stupid about it. Okay. Get this you know we go back to the police officers. Get this straight. I do appreciate our officers who are doing things right. When officers mess up, they should be held accountable for what they have done. Someone needs to hold the police force in Uvalde, the school police responsible for their inaction when which costs several lives. You know, maybe they should need to bring them out here to Atlanta and learn that even if it's just one that they should still engage the active shooter in attempts to take them out to save lives. So regardless of what job or position you hold, that should be adequate uh, before and on-the-job training. I am a total believer in training. I believe that training is the thing, is the key to a lot of these things, these problems you have. Let's train the correct people, put the correct people in place. Let's get some money out there for mental health. We keep saying this mental health is the problem. That's the biggest thing that keeps coming up. Blaming blame everything but the gun. Again, where are the bills and where are the money for mental health? All these people that keep saying put gun more guns in people's hand or they're blaming mental health. I haven't seen not one bill come before Congress where you're saying, hey, let's increase our funding for mental health. Let's go back to a previous episode. Where we talked about that term defunding the police. I don't like the term itself. But when you look at what they're talking about, let's take some of this money that's Allocated to police departments who are not trained to deal with a mental health situation. Let's get mental health counselors part of the force. So when someone calls in, my son is having a mental health breakdown, I need assistance, please. That we don't send an officer who's ready to shoot and that's his only solution to it. Not talking bad about officers, but hey, this has happened. Let's send a mental health person who knows how to deal with this person's mental health. Having a mental health breakdown should not result in this person being shot and killed because the officer feared for their life because this person who's having a mental health breakdown is not seeing reality at the moment. And they may or may not probably have an actual weapon. A lot of times these people didn't have a weapon. All they had was their brain that is having a breakdown and is not seeing things correctly let's get the proper people out there to deal with this person i'm talking this from experience you have to have the right person to do the right thing again going back to where i say this training with officers they need to be trying to be training this and they realize okay this person is having a breakdown this is above my pay grade let's call in a person who is an expert in this And let them handle the situation and let them de escalate the situation, and everybody walks away from the situation. Yay. And you know, you people who are so wonderful about guns, the officer had a gun there, but he didn't have to pull it. So, you know, your gun is still included in the equation because you think a gun should be in everything. Yeah. Why don't we do things like that? That's what, you know, defund the police is supposed to be. But, you know, the term defund the police, I don't like the term i like it. we use a better term i don't know what term it is i'm not that person that's above my pay grade but somebody will come up with something smart or better that sounds better yeah make it sound better that's what we need to do again we're on training i'm gonna throw this in there about training because i've been the the way i see training happening now i've trained people i've quote unquote been trained and you see stuff like there's a problem with training and this isn't what I wanted to talk about when I was first set out to do training. I wanted to you know tell about how wonderful training was. This wasn't, but this is where I'm being led to because training has gone downhill over the past few years. And it's just ridiculous. I think about this situation, a uh, job I used to work for, I was in training for a position a few years ago. And we were told about several things that did not pertain to the job we were going to be expected to do. So if any of those people who know what, what, I'm talking about it was in the class classroom. They know what was going on. We've been in training for almost six weeks. Then they realized at the last moment that we had not been trained what we needed to have been trained on. They brought in a different trainer. He actually trained us. He instructed us, click here, click there, and then do this. And this will happen. And this is how you make this and that happen. Because the trainer prior, he talked about a lot of things <laughs> and other trainers. They talked about the value of the company, but you know, that wasn't helping me to know like what I need to do. This guy that can that they brought the last minute, He gave us more training in a day and a half than the other presenters. I call them presenters, not trainers by my standards. I'm going to call them presenters. A lot of times I've been in training, I call myself a presenter or a trainer, depending if I was showing you how to do this or how to do that, or if I was making a presentation. So you can not be both or you can not be one same thing, but they, this guy did more than a day and a half than our presenters did in six weeks time. Then would you believe it? They replaced him with the person we had prior who once again did not train yet again, here we were again and not getting trained training matters. Recently, the primary elections were held here in Georgia. In case you didn't know, I love, I kind of love politics. I was a political science pre-law major, so I do love politics. So you're going to get politics for me today. (laughs) Even with these new crazy voting restricting laws, everything seemed to have gone. Well, if you follow me on Facebook, I think I posted something regardless of what law they made, I'm still going to vote. That's what we should be promoting. And we should be protesting, fighting against some of these ridiculous voting laws because they're just trying to restrict people from voting. You know, I have so much I could say about this election. We're going to try to limit what I say. Let's see. So prior to the election, there were several campaigns, for this office, for that office, for all the offices that were running. This was not a presidential election. This was mostly state and local elections. Every time you turned around on the TV, there was a campaign ad for one candidate or the other. Because some districts were redrawn, it was hard to figure out, is this the candidate for Meyer or is this one or these two or three running against each other for the same spot? It was kind of hard figuring it out at first and a lot of times you don't know like okay these people running against each other until you get there to the polls there were all of these mail flyers every time i went to my p.o box good grief i had to give it this one candidate they they put some money into their flyers because every time i opened up my mailbox was stuffed with those big vinyl like flyers or whatever <laughs> I think they spent way too much on them, but apparently it paid off because I think they won. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've received more political flyers than mail. Here's is my issue. With all of this campaigning and the amount of people who had my attention as well as my vote, when I get to the polls to vote, there is a whole list of names for different positions that I have not heard one peep out of. Not even a meller or a flyer on my windshield while I'm at the great big Walmart, no radio ads, no TV ads, no nothing, double negative, whatever. And these were for some of the high up positions. There was one guy running for lieutenant governor that comes to mind. The only reason I knew anything about him about a day or two prior to the election, I looked up a kind of famous person who just happens to have the same name, everyone's going to be going looking up who was running for lieutenant governor for the state of Georgia. And the name is going to stick out because (laughs) this person has the same name as a pretty famous person. Instead of pulling up the information on the person I wanted to pull up, because, again, I did not know this other person was even running for office. Google pulled up the person running for a lieutenant governor. Well, at least he had a Facebook page, but. If you don't actually get out and campaign and tell me you have a Facebook page, then I am still not going to know you were running. This person's opponent, well, one or two of their opponents actually had ads out there everywhere and you knew what their platform was. Hmm. Because I had never heard of you and only found out about you because your name is the same as the actual person I was looking for. It is funny when people go and look this up and they see the name they're going to be like, Why were you looking up that person? (laughs) I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, But because you haven't done any kind of campaign and advertising marketing, you did not get my vote. People vote for whose name they know. (laughs) And again, you know, we're going to address it. This person, his name is the same as a famous person. So the reason I was looking up this other person, let's go side note. You've heard me mention before, while out feeding the hungry, I listened to other people's podcasts. These podcasts I'm listening to, catching up, what do you call it, binge watching, I'm binge podcast listening. I'll listen to their, they're in like season two or three, so I will start their season one, which probably started maybe one or two years ago. So at the time for where I was was on that podcast, their season two, I believe, for that time, which was probably in 2021, there was an event happening concerning said famous person who has the same name as the person running for office. And they were referring to things going on there. So I and again, with dealing with their spouse and the, the question was asked about who was the spouse. And I remember the stuff going on. So I'm like, let me look at them up. Let me look up their spouse because I remember something about that. And I put the person's name in Google. Google pulled the because I guess Google registered me in Georgia. It thought I was looking for the person running for office here with the same name. And when people look this up again, they're to be, why are you looking up that person? That is why. Because. You know, y'all know, you heard me talk before about these gurus and whatever and I just don't see how you fall for the information because most of the information they tell you is just wrong and I had said this prior to knowing this person was famous I get uh, some Instagram posts from a friend of mine all the time and they'll tell me this is and like you know that's so and so I'm like who? I had to ask who because I don't know who these people are and if I d- did and I listened to some of these people I'm like their information is wrong why do y'all listen to this and like one of the podcasts I listened to, I listened to them as they're saying, I'm like, yeah, I see why your situation is the way it is, but I'm not perfect. Hey, things are what they are. So, again, that's why I ended up pulling up that person name. That's how I found out they were running for office when I saw them. I'm like, I have heard nothing from you. I had no idea you were running. And by the time I see your stuff, maybe two days prior to the election, I've already made up my mind. I already knew who I was voting for. Now, mind you, yes, the other person, their name had been put in front of me several times prior to this. I knew who they were. I was familiar with them. I knew their platform. I knew that, hey, this was the person I wanted to vote for. You may have had a nice platform. You may have had some good information. You might even been a good, good candidate. You might even make a good person for the position. But again, you no one knew you were out there. At least I didn't. And I believe. I'm a voter. Yeah, I'm a voter. So that means you needed to have your name in front of me. Again, people vote for whose name they know. They vote for who they're familiar with. They vote for who has told me the issues they're running on. They vote for those who campaign the best to my intellect. And I know if you qualify, you can run. I believe, you know, more people should get involved in our political uh, spectrum more people should get involved. More people should run. However, I'm looking at the fact that if you're going to run, actually run, actually campaign, get out there and do something. Don't just think you're like, Hey, my name's on the ballot and I may just get a vote or whatever. That, that, that disturbs me. you know, if you're going to get, if you're going to run for the office, run for the office, get out there, and do some stuff. If you can't collect enough money to put campaigns out there and to compete with the other, other people, <laughs> i'm gonna say it like this drop out <laughs> well my right yes you have the right to do it and 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 i just said yes more people should get involved but you know somewhere in there you might need to build a base one of the things that happened this week we're only kind of benny thompson everybody knows who he is he's um congressional representative state of mississippi fifth district I was at Jackson state university when Benny Thompson was a supervisor in Hines County. And I think before that he was like a city councilman something like that. So he built himself on And how I got onto Benny Thompson, I don't know, but I'm just going to, he built himself up as a political figure. When the guy who was secretary of agriculture, he was charged. S is it Mike, Mike S. Not Mike Espy. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who Benny Thompson replaced. The reason he he got, he was able to run is because this person was nominated by Bill Clinton to become secretary. was Mike Espy. I think it was Mike Espy. If I'm getting my names right. He was a congressional. He was a black guy. He he took the position Clinton gave him. So it opened up that field. Benny Thompson, very well-known supervisor in Hines County, but that district encompasses several other counties in the Delta of Mississippi. And he got out there and he campaigned. And he got everybody to know him. He got his, he got himself known. You know, you see these political people there in front of the camera every time. They're getting theirse- themselves known. Or these people that anytime somebody does something, they're on camera because they're getting themselves known. These people are out there talking about, oh, we want to put a gun in everybody's hand. They're getting their political time because, watch and the see, they'll be running for something soon. He basically built the name, Benny Thompson, he built the name himself. He became the fifth uh, for the congressman for the fifth congressional district in Mississippi. Built himself from being a councilman, I believe, in the city of Bolton. Then went to being a supervisor in Hines County. And every time they talk about the Democrats, the first name they mention a lot of times is Benny Thompson, the Democrats. Benny Thompson, Benny Thompson. He has a name that he's built himself up. So, like, people who are running for a lot of these high offices just right off the bat or whatever, you haven't established yourself. And I'm sure you have political people out there that are quote unquote experts at this. And we tell you, you know, you really don't have a chance and they're encouraging you. And I see the returns and I'm like, wow, did you not even vote for yourself? And I got to check this. I know this guy, he got supposed, but I saw one, it flashed across the screen so fast for one position. And it said like all the, all the polls were, were closed or reporting. And this person has zero votes. (laughs) Like did you not even vote for yourself? And maybe he should have been removed from the ballot before something happened. That's why he probably didn't get zero votes. I don't know, but it was just funny that I saw that. But again, you get there and there's this list of people that you've never heard of, and I'm like, you might would have been a viable candidate had you done something. And there's all kind of things and programs, you know. I'm on Instagram and you're promoting your businesses and things. There's all kind of ways you could have got there and did a grassroots campaign to let everybody know like hey Instagram is free. Facebook is free. I never received a Facebook ad or Instagram pop up or something telling me that hey you were running. Not just you. Several other people because there were several people for several positions I had never heard of. And again the only reason I found out about this person is I was looking up somebody else. So you know you need to get you know, your name out there to get known if you're going to run for something, uh, have a campaign, you know, to run for. I remember I was involved with campaigns in college. I remember after college, this guy ran for supervisor in my home area, whatever. And even there, you know, you just got a few hundred votes of people voting because it's a small area. But you want to get out there and be known as much as possible. And one of the things I remember talking to about that candidate, he's like, someone told him, well, you haven't come around to see me. And he asked, you want me to come and knock on your door and talk to you? Like, yes, you want my vote? So, yes, I want you to come. <laughs> I want you to come and say something to me. I remember we lived out here in Georgia when we were years ago. This lady came to the door every other day or every other week asking for our vote. I And I was like, you know what? Out of all the candidates, this is the only person that came to my door consistently. I'm like, you know what? I'll try to give her a chance. Got there to the polls. Her name was not listed. And what I found out is because we live right outside the city limits. Her district or area cut off right at our road. So the people that lived on the other side were basically in the city limits. Where we live was actually outside the city limits. But she made an effort somewhere that she should have researched a little bit to find of like, hey, when you go into this neighborhood, you go out of the city limits and those people don't vote for you. you go outside of your district your division and those people don't vote for you she perhaps should do a little research there whatever because again that's the time she could have put into other people but at least you put an effort and i'm looking at these other candidates i don't even see a yard sign for you i don't even see uh you know your campaign can't come up with 500 dollars to order a yard sign at least because when you go to the polls, there's this area where you go where you can't campaign anymore. But every candidate that has people voting for them at this precinct has yard signs there. I don't even remember seeing a yard sign in that area for this person that was running. You could not borrow $500 from yourself or somebody else. What was your purpose of running? And I know, again, we should get more people involved. But we also, to get involved, we need to be more informed and we need to make sure that you have a, a good platform because whatever amount of votes you got probably could have went towards the next person to help push them on for them to do. So if you're going to run, run, get out there and actually campaign. Get out there and run. Yes, yes, you do have to earn my vote. You need to come something. You need to be on TV or something with something telling me what you're going to do, what you're not going to do, what you're going to stand for, because I'm not just going to vote for you because of your name I'm not going to vote for you because of which party you're affiliated with. Yes, I have voted in different parties. I don't just vote for one party. I vote for the better candidate at the time. I don't vote for you just because, well, this is a big one. I don't vote for you just because your skin color is the same as mine. I voted for, I have voted for the opponent whose skin color was not the same as mine because at the time they had a better platform. I'm I'm not one of the people that's just going to vote like oh I'm I'm the candidate of the people. Okay, what are you going to do? Well, I, we need we need me in there. Yeah, what are you going to do? Well, we need to get more more black people in there. Yes, I agree. But what are you going to do? Well, you know, what well, we just need to have us in there. We need to have this. Yes. But what are you going to do? Simple question. If you tell me I'm gonna slice potatoes the whole time I'm in, order, in office. Okay, tell me that. There was this time this guy was running for governor in Mississippi. Every question they asked ask him, we're gonna pray about it. And this guy was a Democrat, by the way. Every answer he gave, we're gonna pray about it and then do this, okay, prayer is good, I like prayer. What's your plan? We're gonna pray about it. I, I promise you I am not exaggerating. Some people in Mississippi remember this few years back. They know I am not exaggerating. Every time they ask him about his plan, we're gonna pray and we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that. I'm like, yes, but what are you gonna do? If you're gonna run, run. I, I love to see the candidate that you didn't think was gonna come out on top. You know, come on when Stacy Abrams first ran for governor of Georgia years ago, and she was running against another lady named Stacy, I said in my mind, She's not gonna win. I wanted her to, but I said, Well, she's not winning she actually defeated the other lady who was a, a white lady here in Georgia uh, she defeated her and she became the first black female person to receive a Democratic nomination for the state of Georgia for governor like wow but I will say this both of those ladies campaigned hard I mean every time you turn on on TV Stacey Abrams, Stacy Abrams the other lady, again her first name was Stacey so every time you turn on TV you heard from them Or whatever you did or you saw a flyer. And when you get out here and you're running for office, you're running against some big wigs. You are running against some big money. It takes money. You got to be able to raise some money. You got to bring you got to put some interest. Why people will elect you. I'm not going to get out there. My vote is valuable. I'm not going to vote for you just because you are a certain color, a certain age, a certain race. Uh, or even of a certain party. I need to know what you're going to do. Even if I don't agree with everything you're going to do, you need to have a plan. You need to have a plan for what you are going to do. And you need to make sure that people know what your plan is. And I, again, I see all these names that were on the bat. And again, I don't remember seeing not one deadly thing. And I think about my mailbox that was overstuffed with this one person. And I was kept trying to decide like, okay, I knew I was going to vote. I'm gonna say who i voted for i never tell people who i voted for or whatever but i knew exactly who i was going to vote for and i wanted to just write their campaign hey would you stop sending me stuff because i've already made up my mind you already have my vote so stop sending me stuff (laughs) save that money for the next part of the campaign but it works campaigning combating on things like that your marketing skills on that. It works. That's what it takes, which is why they say the person with the most money uses the person that wins because the person with the most money is the person that's after the most they're doing things. People remember that. Hey, I remember this person came here. uh, So-and-so, so-and-so, whatever. I'm going to vote for that person. I'm going to vote for this person because they were actively in my speaking of these elections in Georgia. I am really enjoying some of the campaign ads I'm seeing. Some of the ads, even if they are for the person I am against, are pretty nice. And I'm thinking, now that was a good ad. But some of these ads that are even for the person I want to win are just downright horrible. (laughs) I am thinking maybe I need to get into the campaign ad business because I could have come up with a better ad than what they have out there. But as we just stated, you have to get in front of people's faces. You have to take advantage of all these different platforms and everything to get your name recognized in front of people's faces. Elections in this country are so important, especially these local elections. The people elected to these positions determine what happens here locally. Traditionally, more people turn out for presidential elections than for state and local. According to the numbers of participants in this primary, a lot of registered voters did not show up. If you really want to change, then this is the election that everyone needs to participate in. Earlier, you know, I addressed, you know, Benny Thompson, the January 6th committee, they met, they kind of gave their findings here on this primetime special here a while back. A lot of people mad. You cannot defend what those people did. This is the United States of America. And you sound well they were just touring You were breaking windows touring to get into the Capitol. I don't think that's how the tour goes. You had a gallow. I think they're what they call a gallow when they're going to hang people. They were looking for Mike Pence to hang him. Let me say that again. They were looking for Mike Pence, the vice president of the United States, whether you liked him or did not like him. They were looking for him to hang him. Oh, what they were just joking. No, they weren't. And for you to even say that they had they showed a video. They got the gallows up there with the rope. red, right? And they were like Mike Pence. And they were looking for Nancy Pelosi. They wanted to hang them. These are elected officials of the United States of America. <laughs> the vice president of the United States, you wanted to hang him because he was not going to go along with your supreme commander's demand to change the votes and not accept them. He was going to abide by the law. You wanted to hang him. And you have people who still are defending the actions of these. Where does, when did you get to charge these people with treason? I'm trying to wrap my little country mind around all this, but for somewhere, somehow it doesn't seem like it just it's you cannot give a defense for this. And you said, well, this was all fake. And you, it was another group. OK, they've arrested the actual people that were there and they participated, regardless of what group they were a part of. These were individual acts. It may have been sanctioned by the group or whatever, but they're going to arrest the individual people. They've been charged. Some have been sentenced, whatever. You stormed the Capitol. You were trying to do a coup here in the United States of America. My issue is what if they had succeeded? I don't, I'm glad they didn't. Very glad they didn't. But what if they had succeeded, and they actually got to Mike Pence, and actually put him up there, or they got Nancy Pelosi and put them up there, and then, then if they had actually overturned the actual will of the people, which come on now, we it's been investigated, there was not fraud or enough whatever to change the outcome of the election. People got out and voted. They did what they were supposed to do. Dude, we'll say and this is too. What did I call him last week? King of stupid. This is to you personally. You are the biggest loser ever. When someone doesn't agree with you, you call them a loser. And if you ever get this video, this audio of this, you're going to probably call me a loser. So what, dude? You are the biggest clown loser there is. You lost. You've lost in court. You've lost all your efforts to try to overturn something. You come up with false claims and you keep saying, well, they're not showing you the proof, whatever. Okay. You got your platforms, whatever. Why are you not showing it? You got your, you know, you were banned from all these other platforms, but you have all these other platforms that you still putting a message out there. So wherever you're saying that, Oh, there was electron you, Since there's proof, you say play it right there. Come on. You know what? I invite you to my show. (laughs) You can bring all your proof onto what Shea thinks about it and I will play it. I promise you, you can bring all the evidence that you say you have for this, for fraudulent votes and that the election was stolen. You can bring every bit of, I will give you the entire time slot and you can present every bit of your evidence that that is me i'm probably the only person in america that's gonna say that but you can bring it all right here to what shayro thinks about it. this is an invitation to you you know who you are you can come on the show i will let you be a guest i will let i will let you say everything you want to i will let you present every bit of evidence you say you have this is your invitation to come on what Shay Rowe thinks about it and present every bit of piece of evidence you have. I invite you, I will allow you to do, I will give you the airtime to do it. You say you have the evidence. You say no one's listening to it. Well, Here, here is your opportunity to present every ounce of evidence you have. Everyone's going to go like, Boy, you crazy. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm like this. I, I used to have this phrase, put up or shut up. Here's your opportunity to put up every piece of evidence. I, I hope this gets to your ears. I hope you take me up on my invitation. You reach out to me. Shea Rose Speaks, C-H-E-T-R-O-S-P-E-A-K-S at gmail.com send me an email hit me up on instagram (laughs) shayro underscore llc hit me up facebook shayro speaks (laughs) you know that's on you can get to me by airplane or airman however she say look if you can you can reach me all those those ways you can reach me if you want to actually present that the election was stolen here is an open invitation to you all the evidence you have of a false election election being stolen people voting or there's enough evidence that would have changed the outcome you are personally invited to what shero thinks about it to present every piece of evidence you have i would dedicate it all to you and let you have your thing okay since you say you have the evidence and you no know, one's listening, here you are. Here's a platform for you. I'll keep you posted, let you know if we get a response. I doubt it. You know, my little simple deep country Mississippi mind just can't understand <laughs> some things. One thing I can't understand is that in an election, we have to beg people to vote. I, I don't understand that. My little simple country Mississippi mind can't understand that. I see all these people out protesting when something happens. But for Election Day, the streets are clear. As President Obama once said, you get who you deserve in these elections. He meant that, hey, if you don't get out and vote to stop them from coming in office, then you deserve to get the person who got people out to vote for them. Just like that person who was running and no one knew. Looking at the number of people who turned out for the Republican primary versus the number who came out for the Democratic Party, this state ain't blue yet. We have seen a lot of things come out of the last election, which was a presidential one, then the runoffs that were statewide. They said there was record turnout and that all the voters who voted made a difference. Now we have statewide and local elections that could determine if these differences made will really be lasting differences. Again, we have the same two candidates for governor, the main candidates, Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams. Only difference now is one is the incumbent and has a record to run on, and the other is still trying to make history and has a record to run on. Regardless of what false accusations have been inundated about elections here in Georgia, we the people, the ones of us who will vote, will make the choices and the decisions about who will govern until the next election. Our right to vote in our election system is something that is precious and integral to our democracy functioning as it should. It does not need unnecessary interference, false accusations and voting laws that attempt to discourage the people from participating. Our elections should remain open, fair and accessible to all who are eligible to participate. We the people have always held the power and we will continue to hold the power yet again. Here we are again. Well, my time here is done. That is all that is on my mind for now. Thanks to each of you for tuning into this week's episode. Thank you for allowing me to serve you. Please listen, like, share, and subscribe to my podcast here at anchor.fm slash shero, C-H-E-T-R-O. And I can now be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Radio Public, Stitcher, Pocket Cast as well. Remember to give me a five star rating. Tell your friends and your enemies what Shayro thinks about it. A production of Shayro LLC where I build confidence by using your situation as motivation. Contact me for speaking events, panel discussions, coaching, mock interviews, and speech writing and development. If you want to reach me, I am on Facebook at Shayro Speaks. C H E T R O S P E A K S. Instagram at Shayro underscore LLC. That's C H E T R O underscore LLC. On Twitter at Shayro at C H E T R O. I don't know how to spell Shayro yet. <laughs> or you can email me at Shayro speaks at gmail.com. I am also on Clubhouse as at the dash Shayro. That's at the at symbol d-a-c-h-e-t-r-o I do have a room there on Clubhouse. We will release a new episode every week, and you can also leave a voice message for me via the voicemail link on the podcast website. If you would like to support this platform, please click the support button or buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash Shayro C-H-E-T-R-O. Your support is greatly appreciated. Thanks for joining in. Oh, to become a better leader, communicator and speaker, learn more at Toastmasters.org. Until next time, I am Shay Rowe, and this has been What Shay Rowe Thinks About It.